With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We, we can have a discussion about are these penalties enough? I think that, you know. It's, it's the bat is, they're basically acknowledging the bat is ready, but he they don't want him to come up as a DH, which is what he would do. But, but since he said that in such a persuasive manner, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with yes. The number two spot always has the potential to come up more than the number three spot. And welcome to the Artificial Turf Wars 100th episode spectacular, where we usually need about five people to count that high. I am your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined, as always, pretty much, by Josh Housem. Josh, how are you this evening? I'm spectacular. Yes, uh, I think we're actually contractually obligated to call it the 100th episode spectacular. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> we didn't really have a choice. There's, uh, There's nothing really spectacular about it. <laughs> no, but... I, I don't have any spectacular stunts to do or anything like that. I mean, well, I, we could pretend I was doing stunts. It's the magic of radio. <laughs> yeah, we're actually doing flips and cartwheels while recording. Uh, I am in a car uh, going up a ramp right now. Just picture that in your mind. Oh, I wish we could keep the whole show that lighthearted. I really do. But uh, we are recording this the day that uh, Roberto Osuna was arrested for uh, an alleged assault, uh, allegedly of his girlfriend. So a domestic assault. So we will talk about that first and a lot. But I'd like you to know we're going to talk about some other things because on the baseball field, uh, Aledmus Diaz hurt his ankle. And that has, of course, trickled down to the infield depth chart. Uh, Yangervis Solarte is still a one-man wrecking crew, and that was pretty cool on Friday. Uh, Stroman and Estrada, we're going to talk about their last starts and what that bodes well for the future, or if it's just, you know, just another start. Uh, there are minor league notes like crazy, with, of course, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. topping the list uh, with an insane night last night uh, in New Hampshire. And then we have... A very special triple play, a do-over triple play, because, man, people have been putting their foot in it all week. Of course, we have your questions oh, yeah. squeezed in there as well. So allow us to begin with, uh, you know, bad news. Roberto Osuna arrested by Toronto police, which is probably the, the thing I least expected to hear when I opened Twitter this afternoon. I, I don't know what I would have expected to hear, but it definitely wasn't that. Yeah. So out, uh, this seems to happen when, whenever um, the issue of domestic violence comes up. You get a million and one takes. And uh, because we have this little program here, we are obligated to have our own take, I think. Um, so I'll, I'll let you go first. I think you're going to say pretty much what I'm going to say. So you, you might be saving me the breath. Well, I mean, I'm not sure what takes there really are. I mean, this is horrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's something that should never happen, and you know, and he's rightfully going to be sitting out, and he's down. You know, he's going to be suspended, and that's the way it should be. The, the idea it used to be that I remember Brett Myers once got arrested for assault, domestic assault, and was pitching two days later. And you know, the, the league has really taken steps, and the teams have taken steps to you know to fight back against that. And you know, I'm glad that they responded quickly. He's been placed on the restricted list right away, and. I guess we're going to see how it plays out from here. There are, there's a camp of people and, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know that I'm in that camp, uh, of the, I, I don't want to see him pitching for the blue Jays ever again. That, that, that the judgment is, is that instantaneous. How do you feel when you hear someone say that? Um, I get it. Right. I mean, I, I understand people's react, have thinking that way. And, 
you know, it, it's a very it's a very extreme topic, you know, violence against anybody, let alone violence against women. And, you know, people don't want to see that guy representing their favorite team or rooting for them. But at the same time, I also understand the other side of it, that, you know, he also is still a very key member of the team. And if you give him away or let him go, someone else, the Yankees, will pick him up and you will be worse off for it. Yeah, I, I even outside of the the team um, impact of of Roberto Osuna, you know, being let go permanently. I I think I my thought on it is it's it's very easy to say, well, this person did a bad thing, and therefore the punishment should be, um, you know, X. But and I and I empathize with people. I mean, I'm. I he's one of my favorite players. I've talked about him over and over and over again. So I'm not I'm not saying I I'm really thrilled that this has happened and that he's you know he's still a member of the Blue Jays. But at the same time, Major League Baseball has a process with a specific set of penalties as set up by the commissioner, which which can supersede what might be decided in the court of law as well. And then the courts have a set of penalties. And I don't know that just being punitive really solves the problem either. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, and this is the, this is the, I mean, I, I fall in the same camp as I, I think I, I, with you that there are punishments in place and I don't want to see people lose every sense of their livelihood over something like this because yeah. I think that's too far in the other direction. Yeah, now we we can have a discussion about are these penalties enough? I think that mm-hmm. you know, um, sure. but but in this instance, the penalties are in place, and and obviously the rules are there, and he was aware of what the rules were, and and um, you know, he, that's how he should be judged or how he should be punished is is based on what was in place. Yeah, I don't think I think the problem is people get into inventing new punishments because something hits close to home or because whatever reason they, they 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 emotionally want something to change and and i don't think you can change that retroactively i think we have to go forward with the way mlb like you said has improved uh their reaction time and their you know the idea that you don't have to be guilty or even have charges brought against you in a court to be punished by the league um saw someone on twitter arguing that you can't do that in ontario that they um the ontario human rights code doesn't allow uh, quote-unquote morality cause clause as in if you're not guilty of anything you can't be penalized for something above and beyond that i don't think that would hold up because i feel like there's a lot of employers who would have clauses no, but that, it's, you know, yeah it's a collectively bargained thing so there's there would be no legal recourse for it yeah their argument was the cba wouldn't stand up against the ontario human rights code and i was like i'm not a lawyer but that sounds like then why would you bother to bargain anything um <laughs> at all right i <laughs> yeah. And I just want to get this out there too. One thing that starting to see pop up, this idea that people from different countries should be treated differently because it's not they didn't grow up with it with the same view, it's garbage. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this we're talking about uh, assault is violence. And I don't know of any culture where you get off the hook for violence when you're breaking the law in, in wherever you go. You can't say, oh, well, I, uh, you know, my friends and I beat the crap out of one another on the, on, on the streets here, and then we, we moved to Canada, and now we beat the crap out of one No, you can't do that. The, the law is the law. I don't really care what you, what you culturally believe. The law supersedes that in every case. Mm-hmm. So... I think uh, I would also like to express my sympathies and empathy for um, the woman in the case who we haven't mentioned. Thank you. Yes, I was going to get to that, (laughs) but I'm glad you said it. Um, Because anything in terms of someone you care about committing a violent act against you is is just the worst kind of betrayal I can imagine. So um, I think both of our hearts go out to her in the sense of, of... you know, th- obviously, this isn't going to end anytime soon for um, for the woman in question. No, no, she she definitely has a tough road ahead and a tough road in her very recent past. And 
yeah, so we, we, we are very sorry for her and hope that things get better for her. And for all of you who are about to get on there and uh, tweet us and say, that, oh, these are, you know, well, you didn't really base that on anything or, you know, these are just, look, they arrested him. You don't get arrested just for standing around. <laughs> sorry. Something yeah. happened. And, and we should also mention the PR mess that was potentially brewing because the Blue Jays had a giveaway of Osuna shirts planned for Thursday. Yes, and those are not happening anymore, which is exactly what the organization should have done, and the speed at which they should have done it. Yeah, no, they, they did it right. They immediately canceled the promotion and replaced it with one for Jan Herbert Solarte. So not only is there no Osuna one, there is still a giveaway, which I did not think they'd be able to do. Um, yeah, I'm sure someone was on the phone calling the t-shirt places in Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> um, trying to make this right for the fans. And, I, you know, I'm not making light of that. I, I'm serious that, you know, you, you want, you don't want everyone to suffer because of uh, a problem that Roberto Osuna has. Um, so it's, it's cool that people are still going to be able to celebrate something and, and get something that they were expecting um, with, without, you know, the awkwardness, like you said, of honoring a player who is not, not really honorable at the moment. All right. Did we cover all of the angles of Roberto Osuna? I think we covered enough of them. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure more will, will come up uh, in, the, in the coming days. I don't anticipate this is the last time he's going to come up on the podcast for various reasons. But uh, for today, we will move on. Let's move on to more bad news. <laughs> Just to get it all out of the way. Aledmus Diaz, uh, he landed on, on the bag in Tampa and his ankle went... <laughs> I did not, I have not seen it, but the descriptions were unkind. Uh, that put him on the d disabled list. Yeah, amazingly there, he's going to be reevaluated in 10 days. I mean, it's, it sounds like he escaped some serious damage, which I don't know how, because I did see it. Uh, this is bad, right? I mean, the Jays' shortstop depth has just been hammered to start the season. Yeah, we are, we are at number three on the depth chart. Four. I mean, Four, Lourdes yeah. Gurriel was not supposed to be the starting shortstop. No. No, he was and run up that's, yeah, to play second base, right? He wasn't even supposed to be up. I mean, the idea was that Tulo would start, Diaz would be the backup shortstop, Solarte the backup second and third, and Travis mixing in with Travis at second base. Travis is in the minors. Diaz is hurt. Tulo is hurt. And the other guy, Gifting Gope, sucked. Oh yeah, yeah that. Uh, ooh, that was the experiment that didn't even pay off. I forgot about that. The gift was technically ahead of Guriel on the depth chart. Yeah, so now we have <laughs> Lourdes Guriel, who was never supposed to be up at this point, starting at shortstop and being backed up by Richard Urania, who for we, we although he had a good week in September, uh, we don't believe Richard Urania hits any better than. Well, I don't want to say gift and go. We'll say any better than Ryan Goins at this point. Uh, yeah, I think that's a fair, fair a fair <laughs> one. But so it, it's it's not in great shape. And Tulowitzki can't come back until at the earliest, the end of May. And there's no indication he'll even be ready for that. It might be a week or two after that. You mean, uh, oh, end of May. Yeah, sorry. I thought you said start of May. Oh, start of May. Yeah, so the Blue Jays are just going to be riding out on hopefully... Hopefully, Lourdes Gurriel, with everyday playing time, turns out to be as good as his brother thinks he is. Yeah. And, and just while we're talking about depth stuff, the, the outfield depth has been severely... It's... Well, good thing they had it. <laughs> we, we, we got to see, <laughs> see it all on display this past week. Yeah, because in the doubleheader... Uh, so, Grichuk is down. Um, Pierce is down. Mm -hmm. So, in the doubleheader, they called up Smith... For one game? Yeah, and then Granderson got hurt. Right. So they called up Pompey. And, and then, then they Alfred. Sent Smith back. So we have Alfred and Pompey now. And Teoscar Hernandez. These were supposed to be the starting outfield for Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> they literally, the depth is now all in the major league. Yeah, so the, the Jays have certainly had their depth tested. but And this is a testament to the good job that the team did in building some of that depth because 
you know, these are all even, even Guriel has been solid. He's not been good, but he's you know, he's been, been decent enough, which, you know, for your fourth string shortstop, that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I think the the real depth problem probably showed up in that that second half of that doubleheader in Cleveland, not on the the hitting side, on the pitching side. The bullpen. Yeah. Yeah, just plain ran out of arms and and who were the, who were the two victims in that uh I mean Joe Biagini got through what? Luis Santos. Yeah. He was the we don't care how many runs you give up, you're getting out of this. And then in the first game, it was Jaime Garcia got shelled. Right. And uh, was it Patrika who relieved? I don't know. I'm, I'm getting on my name. Patrichka, yeah. He's Petrichka. actually back. Oh, yeah. Of course he is. Because round and round we go. Yeah, the Blue Jays did not have enough arms to get through a doubleheader because the first start in the doubleheader didn't go as planned. Um, and then the second one didn't. Well, yeah, the second one went even worse. But I, w- I would say that J- the Joe Biagini as a starter experiment, I'm curious as to how long that's going to go on because his ERA is over five in Buffalo. Well, I think that the Joe Biagini as a starter experiment will go as long as it takes for for one of the other guys to show that they can pitch as a starter in the major leagues potentially, whether that's Rowley or Barucki or Pannone coming back from suspension or even Deck McGuire. If one of those guys takes the ball and runs with it, I think it'll be the end of the Be a Genie Starter experiment. We shall see. In that doubleheader, of course, we we talked about everybody except Yanger Yanger Vasalarte. Yan Hervis. <laughs> Yan Hervis. Okay, why is the G pronounced like an H? Is it? Are we going? I, don't know. I, I thought I thought J's were pronounced like H's. G's are too. Really? Jorge. Well, I guess. There you go. It's an example. Well, I was thinking of Jorge Bell. Yeah, I, I forgot about Jorge Bell before he was George Bell. Anyway, he had a, a game that I'm probably sweeping under the rug here uh, where he did horrible things defensively and wonderful things with the bat and then followed that up with another game uh, where he, after hitting a grand slam in extra innings to put his team up by four, which is good because they gave up another two in the bottom of that inning, uh, he had another home run in the second game. That's like a week and a half worth of production. I believe he had, was it eight hits in the doubleheader? I think so. I think I tied the franchise record or set the franchise record for hits in a doubleheader. Which is tremendous. I mean, he had been scuffling a little bit. You know, he hadn't been bad, but his numbers had taken a bit of a dive. And then he got five hits in the first game of the doubleheader and then three in the second one. And they go right back up. Now, how many of those hits were after the... Uh, the slide, I don't even know what to call it, where he destroyed his upper lip. Uh, I think he only had two at that point. I think he got six hits, six hits after that. That's amazing, because he came up short by, what, five or six feet at third base? Did a total yeah, we're gonna, base plant. We're going to talk about that again later, but... I mean, his teammates were laughing at him in the dugout afterwards because it was really goofy looking. But, I mean, he looked like he might have given himself like a minor concussion the way he was lying around on the floor after that. And then, nah, no, he's going to go get six more hits, including two home runs. Amazing. We need a little amazing in our lives around here once in a while, I think. Yeah. Um, Marcus Stroman and uh, Marco Estrada both had games that that looked like they had maybe figured something out. Yeah, we got a specific question about Estrada, so I'm going to leave, save some of the analysis of that till later, but it was something we needed to see, right? Stroman, two innings, two runs, <laughs> over seven innings against the Twins, <laughs> and then Estrada shut out the Rays, who have owned him for six innings. And, you know, he walked four people, but he only gave up four hits, a lot of pop-ups, and that's the kind of stuff we're used to seeing. Yeah, and and we've I think we've got a question that alludes to this, but you you need more than two guys doing something in this starting rotation. This this team needs that part of their well, they need every part of their roster to to come out swinging. Um, but they really need the starting rotation to stabilize and give them six innings regularly, or this bullpen is just gonna get torched. So 
it's a step in the right direction. I, I think you have to see maybe a, a couple of starts like that. Not shutouts or anything, but, you know, a run or two, not four or five by the fifth, and I'm at 105 pitches. Yeah, I, I totally agree. The The Stroman chart was a bit strange because he didn't walk anybody, or he walked one guy, which is much better than he has <laughs> lately, but he gave up more fly balls than ground balls, so it was a bit of a strange outing. Yeah, so we don't we don't really have a pattern yet. Um, but yeah, step in the right direction, because... I don't know if you've looked at the standings, but any step in the right direction is pretty much required for the Jays at this point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's it's definitely nice to see something. Yeah, the Yankees have won 14 out of 15 uh, after, you know, languishing around 500 for a couple of weeks. And then Boston has never slowed down, really, have they? Just... No, I mean, they started out 14 and 2 or something. Yeah, they keep plugging away. So... Yeah, this is this is not a, a division that you can afford to waste a week. And the Blue Jays have had a couple of weeks in a row where they're below 500, just kind of salvaging a game here and a game there. And that's not not what you really want to see. Do you no. want to think about the minor leagues instead? <laughs> it seems to be the fun part right now. Yeah, you can let it loose in the, in the minor league. So uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who uh, in a Sportsnet graphic was uh, they 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 showed his OPS and they showed his home runs and they showed his May. I don't know what kind of stat his May is, but he had a May of 500, which sounded pretty impressive. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's May 8th, <laughs> so it's not overly <laughs> meaningful, I guess. Yeah, and that wasn't even today. That was like May 6th. They showed it on. Like, okay, dude. Yes, he's okay. He's hitting 500 right now. Sure, in a week. Um, he is but hitting he's, over 400 for reals. I mean, he's right there. He's at 398. Oh, did that change? Did he? Did he? He was over. He got four, out a couple. He got out a couple times later in that game. Well, he's actually at 400 right now as we record this. Exactly 400. Through about 119 or 20 plate appearances as a by far the youngest player in double A. Uh, there was a video last night that went around of his first home run, uh, which would have been really impressive, except it was trumped by his second home run, which he hit off of a hotel in the outfield at the park where they were playing in the minor. And this isn't like the hotel in Petco Park, which is routinely gets peppered by baseballs because the wall is basically where the hotel is this hotel was a good 20 feet beyond the fence and he hit it like three stories up yeah it was a bomb yeah so i don't know what vlad is doing other than getting reps at third in double a uh, i mean even the, the jays brass is saying that that's what he's doing it's it, it's the bat is they're basically acknowledging the bat is ready but he they don't want him to come up as a dh which is what he would do and have his defense technique because they want him to be a position player going forward. Which I understand. I mean, you don't want to limit a, a kid who is athletic from, from the sounds of things. He, he is not, you know, a prototypical uh, third baseman per se, but he's certainly, every report I've read says that he's very much put the effort in and he has, he has the arm to play third. Um, maybe not the speed to play third. Um, but they're going to give it a shot, I think, for as long as they possibly can. Yeah, and there's no harm in doing that. But I do think that he'll be in Buffalo very soon. Yeah. I mean, you got to, you also, as well as giving him reps, you have to give him a little bit of a challenge, I think. And he is, he is above his, his league in talent there. there. There's, you look at everyone who's hitting like him, and they're three years or four years older than him. What else yeah. is there to say? He, he already knows what he's doing. He's just a special hitter. You can, you can thank his dad. I don't know uh, for keeping around the ballpark or for genetics or for whatever, but uh, also him for working hard at it. Uh, Nate Pearson came back and, and everyone was excited. And then uh, he, he was done because he got hit by a line drive back at him off of his arm. Yeah, he has a fractured forearm. Ouch. Like, yeah. Just... Oh, uh, yeah. So still not sure how long that's going to be. I guess he's got more bone scans or something to do, but you would, the, they the said probably six, six to eight weeks is the expectation. 
So that's a bit of a bummer for all of you who were looking to forward to seeing Nate Pearson. Uh, that was his first start of the season. So a uh, couple of players got call-ups. TJ Zoik is now in double-A. He's starting tonight. He's not having a really good time of it, but that's okay. <laughs> Fluky. <laughs> Very fluky. We went over the inning in which he allowed five runs, Josh and I, before we recorded this, and one ball left the infield. <laughs> not a lot of outs recorded. So, um, yeah, feel, feel a little bit bad for him. Maybe it's not an airtight defense in uh, in New Hampshire, as it were. Uh, but what can you do? Uh, you Someone else got the call up to double-A. Yeah, we had uh, Jesse Goldberg's Drassler on here a couple podcasts ago, I think it was, and he was talking up Casey Clemens, who was just mashing in Lansing. And he has been promoted to Dunedin after on a base percentage over 500 or at 500 in Lansing with the league lead in home runs. So Jesse had to say goodbye to someone again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. I love this guy. He's excellent. See ya. <laughs> but such is the life of a minor league uh broadcaster right you you're only happy for the ones that have have moved on yep that's the way it goes so yeah things look probably better on that we haven't heard much about Bo Bichette I think that that speaks to how dominating Vlad has been yeah he uh Bo Bichette got it he ran into a bit of a cold spell but he was still hitting over 300 so you know yeah shows, shows what he's doing early on yeah because um, there was some supposition that those two would get called up together, but I think that's maybe a little less likely at this point. Yeah. All right. That said, I think we are going to take some of your questions, but as, as I usually do at this point, we're going to take a, a brief pause for, I don't know, I would say station identification. But <laughs> That's uh, what I was going to say, too. <laughs> it's a little old school for you, folks. Uh, we'll be right back. Yes, back just as promised. And since we are back, and I said we would answer your questions, I'll play the thing where we talk about answering questions. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Then how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? All right, so for our 100th episode, we're going to answer 100 of your questions. Uh, well, maybe we didn't get 100 questions. Just go back, answer old ones again? Yeah, we were willing to answer 100 of your questions. I'll have you all know. No, we weren't. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so the first one is from Brian Donnelly at Brian Donnelly 8. I wonder if there really were seven other Brian Donnellys and he went through sequentially. I made a comment uh, about Joey Bats, which was he was very happy to see um, Jose Bautista hit a home run in Charlotte when he was coming through on his uh, minor league tune-up. Um, but he said, I do actually have a question. How much do you think is left in the tank for Jose? Can he make it back to a league average bat or better? I think he can. Um, the one thing that never left Jose Bautista was the batting eye. Even last year when he was struggling like crazy, he walked 84 times. And if he just hits a little bit better, as he has in his first few outings with the Braves, he can be at least a league average bat. I mean, the talent is clearly there. Just last year, he just stopped being able to hit the ball, which was very unlike him. So I think he has it in him to become a league average or better bat. Do I think it's likely that he's going to be better? I don't know, but I think it's definitely within the, within the realm of possibilities. I would agree that is in with, within that realm. I really think this is his last year. Even if he shows, you know, league average or slightly less than league average and he, he you know, ably fills in at third for the Braves, I just think it would be really hard-pressed to find a team that's going to give him anything resembling a full-time job going forward with how many other players might fill the same kind of role. So th this, this really is his last hurrah, I think. Yeah, it certainly could be. Because he'll be 38 next year. Yeah. All right. Hit me with one. So Dave Church asks two questions. One, trolley, as he, <laughs> as he suggested. Yep. Yeah, and then I'll read the real one. So the trolley one, do they call up Vlad before or after they trade Donaldson? Oh, after. You just 
You clear the decks, and then you get Vlad up here, obviously. <laughs> They're going to be too good. They're not going to trade him. Um, and the last trolley question, oh, I guess I'm reading the question to myself. Josh, how worried should we be about Estrada struggling? And just since we mentioned both Estrada and Stroman in the earlier part of this podcast, Stroman is getting shelled again. So Is oops. he walking people? Um, two walks in four innings. It's not Wakorama, but yeah. So, the answer to the Estrada question, a little. Um, you know, the thing that's made Estrada so special as a pitcher over the last few years, even last year when he, aside from that one stretch where he couldn't throw a changeup, his fastball had this extreme outlier rise to it, you know, for lack of a better term, it doesn't actually rise, but fights gravity. And that dropped by over an inch to start this season which is obviously bad. And his last start, it was back up to 12.88 inches of rise, which is considerably better than the previous one of 11.3. So I think that's something we'll have to see if that trend continues back in the direction it's been the previous few years. Otherwise, I do think there's a reason to worry. He has to spin it to win it. Oh, good one. There you go. Um, So we have a question for our favorite unbalanced perplexed dunderhead. And yes, I've had to, I've shortened that up at the request of, of said Brian. Um, first question, what options do we have to get Morales off the team? And what are the ramifications of each? Um, well, I, I think that's pretty straightforward when any time that you're talking about an underperforming player, if you really want to get him off the team, you can trade him, which means you're going to eat some of his money, probably, uh, in the hopes of getting something back. Probably at this point a lottery ticket, I would think. I know I I don't think you could trade him now at all. Yeah. So that but I mean the trade option is to try and get a little bit of the salary relief, I guess, if you could. Uh and then I mean if you waive him or if you DFA him, um you're gonna get you're gonna pay all the freight and he's gonna play for somebody else somewhere while you're paying him. It's ten million dollars. The Blue Jays are probably going to hang on as long as they possibly can in this division before they just throw away $10 million because they're not making up a dozen games on the Red Sox and the Yankees in the middle of July. I can't see it. Well, and also we're in a situation where the Jays have so many injured players. I mean, right now, if if you were to sit Morales without calling up Vlad, because that's just not happening right now, if you were to sit Morales, it's to play Dalton Pompey you know it's not it's it's not a huge upgrade and so I think that at least until Pierce and Granderson are back fully this isn't even discussion that's going to have any merit I I follow you completely um all right also apparently the gift this is like a podcast question not a baseball question the gift for a hundredth anniversary is a 10 carat diamond if we were to receive one as a gift for our 100th episode, what would you do with it? A 10 carat diamond? Yes. Uh, put it immediately on the market to see how much money we could get. <laughs> yeah, that's, that was my thinking as well. I'm not a big diamond wearer. Now, uh, if you had gifted me a baseball diamond, that would be pretty cool. Ooh, a 10 carat baseball diamond. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how you measure the, the size Gold? of a baseball Oh, a 10 karat gold baseball diamond. I don't even, I, I'm picturing that in my head and it's really weird. And uh, <laughs> that's how Donald Trump would do to a baseball diamond. <laughs> exactly. That I could go for. Yeah. If anybody's thinking of a 100th anniversary gift, probably not to scale, I'm guessing. Sadly, 100th anniversary is 100 years and this is 100 weeks. So it's not quite the same thing. Dang it. I had to bring <laughs> math into it again, didn't you? <laughs> oh, right. what's next? From Colleen Evans at Colleen Evans 6. And thank Colleen you, Colleen. Also, yeah, thank you very much. Just raised her patronage, and we really, really appreciate it. Colleen is one of our favorite listeners. And so, question. Bach, Bach. <laughs> <laughs> Do you agree with the umpiring? Did Ryan Tapera Bach in the Tampa Bay game, and should they have charged Luke Millie with a catcher's Bach? This was earlier in the series when Malik Smith was trying to steal home. Uh, I did not see the catcher's box, so I can't speak to that one. I did see the Ryan Tapera box, and yeah, he jumped to turn to throw to first base. He's a right-handed pitcher. 
um, you can't jump, spin, turn to first. You can do it to second, but first you must stride towards first base to make that pickoff move. And I couldn't see a stride, which is why I think they called the ball. Yeah, it was really, really close. And I think that the umpire could have let it go, but by the letter of the rule, it was the right call. The plus, other one, which I saw and you didn't. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, plus, John Gibbons needed to get thrown out regularly in Tampa because he's obviously got something to do outside the ballpark there. And that was just the ump being helpful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he got tossed in two games in that series. Exactly. Uh, he's got family, maybe. The first one was justified. That strike zone was awful <laughs> by C.B. Buckner. <laughs> the, so the, the catcher's block one was interesting. So... What happened was, unlike when Pilar stole home, Estrada threw a pitch. He was in a stretch, and then he stepped and threw without disengaging from the rubber. So technically, yes, it should have been a catcher's block because you're not allowed to come out in front of the plate to, to do that. Mm. Right. But it was not called. Did someone else get thrown out on that account? No, I, I people don't catch that in the in full speed. I don't think. Yeah, it's it's like um, it's the same as on the old intentional walk. People didn't understand why the catcher would stand with his arm out and then jump after the pitch was released. It's like you, mm -hmm. when when the delivery happens, you must be in the catcher's box behind home plate. So I follow you on the rule. Uh, so yeah, yep. you win some, you lose some, I guess. Um, okay. Uh, Vlukimir Guerrero Jr., whose name now at split letters sounds a lot like someone else's, um, just says obligatory Vlad question. I guess the answer, obligatory Vlad answer, not yet. <laughs> and he's awesome. <laughs> yeah, also, for sure. Uh, but he did answer, oh, you, you, uh, sorry, you answered the one specifically about Estrada. He also asked, how worried should we be about the rotation? Hasn't exactly been a strong start in the non- J Hap division. Yeah, so we've just we've talked about Stroman and Estrada, and now uh, Sanchez has been fine. I mean, even his last start, the results weren't good, but that was because of bad defense, shoddy umpiring. Like, he actually pitched a lot better than his numbers. The velocity and the pitch mix are weird. I don't get why he has stopped throwing curveballs and throwing so many changeups. So I think that could be an issue, but the results haven't backed it up. So I'm not really that worried about it yet. Garcia has totally changed what he used to be doing, throwing way more four-seam fastballs and up in the zone, and I don't know why. Maybe he's trying to copy someone who he shouldn't be copying. Like Jay Happ. <laughs> could be, could be. Uh, all right, so our last question comes, once again, from Colleen Evans. Do you guys have any favorite moments from your podcast in celebration of our 100 episodes? Why, thank you for asking, Colleen. Because we were probably going to talk this about this you, anyway. Greg. Doing that's it with my me. favorite. That's your all oh, <laughs> the cockles of my heart, so warm. <laughs> no, but my actual favorite moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew that was coming. <laughs> I know you were you were probably gonna say this too, but our, our favorite guest is David Arzma. I mean, it's just they're just incredibly fun conversations. Yeah. So if you're looking back through the archives and and you find uh, something on now, it's called Apple Podcasts. Is it? Is it not called iTunes anymore? Um, I have no idea. Look for David Artsma because we have uh, a couple of interviews with him, and they were all very honest and uh, and no uh, no cliches and and some really in depth answers to questions that I've always wanted to ask um, some professional baseball people. So cool stuff. Mm, other than that, which I I was gonna say, uh, but I'm gonna be a little different. I enjoy all of our episodes of Swing and a Drive, but somehow I managed to stump. I believe, it, I, I know it was you, was was one of them, and I believe the other one was Dave Church, but I could be wrong, and, and you guys combined got like two out of ten. And yeah, I we were like really bad. I won swinging a Drive for once, which uh, I, I felt pretty special there, that I'd, I'd put together a show that was that mystifying. So I guess I really have to thank Buck Martinez for that. <laughs> the only time we're ever going to do that for anything. Yeah. yeah no. He deserves the one thank you. It's all good. We have... A triple play of do-overs. So that means we're going to play, of course, the do-over sounds. 
parts. I said the quiet part loud and the loud part quiet. <laughs> but what if you could do it all over again? But what I really meant was... So Tori Hunter is our first do-over, and I'm going to play you a clip from Twitter of Tori... I'm going to say explaining Launch Angle, but I don't think that's a fair description of what he does here. <laughs> Okay. What? <laughs> so, I, I just—he got paid to 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 say that. A significant you amount of money. So. Hmm. You wouldn't think so. No, no. I. Um. I think I have an idea of what he was trying to say. I think it was something about maybe the angle of your actual swing being an issue, but he didn't say it. He just, he didn't say anything close to what, what would have made any sense from analysis at all. He just, he said the launch a lot. Um, and as it turns out, did you know all baseballs have a launch angle? Even ones that get put into the ground? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't. Sorry. It just, no, no, Tori. I mean, I think he's trying to say what Eno was saying when he was on two weeks ago, or was it even last week? I can't remember. But, uh, where the idea is that Josh Donaldson is not one of these launch angle prototypes where he's not just swinging to hit the ball up in the air all the time. And where, so you can't just like pitch him up to combat it, but it's not what he said. He well, said like he swings through the ball and then he launches. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I mean, that's what happens with everybody. Um, no one swings on, on an uppercut that matches their launch angle. That's not how it works. Uh, yeah. There was another thing about Josh Donaldson. Who were we talking to? Last year, it was a hitting coach. And he said, Josh Donaldson thinks he's doing things. I'm trying to remember that. Some allusion to basically that, that what Donaldson, you know, what the results he's getting, again, are not typical launch angle results. Even though he talks about launch angle a lot, his swing is not oriented that way, which is kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. um, so that was number one. Uh, Tori, write yourself some notes. <laughs> Get it straight, what you're actually trying to say, and we'll let you come on and you can explain what you were trying to tell us about launch angle. You don't even have to mention Josh Donaldson. That's yeah. do-over do number one. Uh, triple plays are, are rare. That's why we're doing this on the 100th episode, right? So mm -hmm, Exactly. Uh, do-over number two is Pat Tavler, who also went when we'll call this in depth with the analysis. <laughs> Josh Donaldson comes up with a big hit batting in the second spot. He is now one for three and John Gibbons said I want him up there as often as I can in that spot. Believe it or not, the number two spot comes up more often than the three spot when they turn that lineup over. You play nine innings, he might get that extra at bat and he says I want my former MVP getting as many swings as possible. <laughs> Believe it or not, Greg. <laughs> I, you know what? I believe it. I, you know, had it, had it, had Tabler not really convinced me, I might have been suspicious that the number two spot came up more often than the number three spot. <laughs> but, but since he said that in such a persuasive manner, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with yes. The number two spot always has the potential to come up more than the number three spot, and actually can never come up less than the number three spot. I'm still skeptical. <laughs> how long? Like, how, how long has Tyler been watching baseball? Uh, <laughs> and, and how long would you have to watch before that thought at least went through your head as, as a not completely obvious thing? Like, yes, the leadoff hitter. That's why a second leadoff hitter in the nine slot is the dumbest idea ever. That your second leadoff hitter gets the least played appearances ever. Why? Yeah. It's, yeah. Could it be more straightforward, Tabby? It's just mind boggling. And that passes for analysis on the Buck and Tabby show. And in credit to Blue Jays Twitter, everybody called this out as it was happening. <laughs> A friend of mine texted me, like, did Buck, did Pat just say this? 
Believe it or not. Believe it or not, he did. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then number three uh, is not a clip. Number three is Luis Rivera, third base coach. How, How was he doing this week? As well as usual, <laughs> I think Jays fans are not very enamored of Luis Rivera's work as the third base coach. We talked about Jan Hervey Solarte whacking his face on a dive in Cleveland. He blamed, you know, the, the ground was really wet and he said his hands got stuck in the mud and he flipped forward. Totally justified. He never should have had to slide. There was no throw to third base. And Luis Rivera was just standing there with his hand slowly pointed downwards to the ground. Not saying, hey, stay up, stay on the bag. <laughs> Nothing. The ball was behind Solarte. He couldn't have known there was no throw. There is a clip of like a single frame of, of that showing the third baseman standing there looking at Solarte doing the face plant. Rivera is standing there and, and, and it's like right in the middle of his head going down for the mud. And, and Rivera looks as if he is asking, hey man, why are you doing that? <laughs> <laughs> it's like because you didn't tell him what to do <laughs> which yeah. uh, like you said uh, that would be his job what the heck is the do over for uh, Luis the do over is to just give some kind of signal to your base runners when they can't see what's happening <laughs> it, was, it was a long going to be a long day he didn't want to use up all of his signals this is one of those you had one job <laughs> mean moments Yes, the third base coach's job, which uh, I guess for Luis is not his favorite job, is my only conclusion. <laughs> well, it is rolled around, and uh, I believe as we, we roll around here towards the end of the podcast, I am going to give you an opportunity on this 100th episode spectacular to do eh, pretty much what I do every week. Your final thought. Yeah, so I wrote a piece about this, but... The Rangers did something that legitimately pissed me off earlier this this week. I, I'm not sure how many people saw it. They put out a press release, which on the surface sounds pretty good. They're giving a $5,000 scholarship to an eligible student who submits the best original formula or statistic to be used in a baseball operations context. <clears throat> you know, again, on the surface, good. They're trying to help out some people, help them with their college. Then you think about it. So, quote, the application process will challenge interested students in creating original formulas or statistics to provide previously immeasurable projections, indicators of future success, measurements of risk or player valuation. So the market rate for a a, a brand new stat is $5,000. Market rate for the best brand new stat. They have crowdsourced (laughs) their research and analytics department. Yep. That is so bad it is indeed like netflix did something like this and there was some insurance company that i was informed of that did something like this the reward was one million dollars for people who were able to provide some kind of (laughs) algorithm that helped them out five grand five thousand dollars one time payment it's not even a recurring payment throughout the throughout the time at school it's one time five thousand dollar scholarship and the guy who gives you the second best statistic that you use anyway gets nothing Mm. It's that uh, I reminded that meme where the guy taps his head knowingly. Yeah, don't have to pay out if it's only the second best statistic. <laughs> yeah, something is. It's brilliant. Like I, 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 it's a really smart move by the Rangers, but it's so freaking Evil. shady. Yeah, it's it's wrong. It's yeah, you know, we we don't enter raffles by filling out. Uh, tickets that that are skill based, much just unique skill. And this is a yeah. raffle. It should yep. be if you're trying to give something away, you should be giving something away, not getting something for it. I'm sorry. Um, my final thought is, uh, it was a tweet from uh, Stephen Act Four on Twitter, and uh, Dylan Bundy blew up tonight for. The, <laughs> yes, he did. He he got um. He got hit for seven runs, four home runs in a game in which, wait for it, he did not record any out, which is, is quite the accomplishment. So uh, Stephen coined the term the no-outer, <laughs> which one could argue is just as, if not more difficult to do than the no-hitter. 
Do you know how many times this has been done by a starting how, pitcher? How many no-outers have there been? Well, with four home runs? None. Well, one, including tonight. <laughs> tonight was the first one. The, the four-home run no-outer. Uh, wow. And Dylan Bundy was like the good starter for the Orioles, was he not? Uh, was is kind of the right way to put that because he's given up nine home runs in his last nine innings and 22 runs. So the Orioles, if you could not see the fork in them last week, are certainly done by now. They can't see the fork, apparently, because they were talking about how they're still waiting to assess their team before deciding what to do with Manny Machado. Like Which led team. our good friend Dan Zimborski to say, <clears throat> pardon me, I would literally rather have 10 random baseball fans from anywhere running the Orioles than the people who are actually doing it, no hyperbole. Yeah. And I can't argue with that, because I think no. 10, 10 sincere caring people who love baseball would have burnt this Orioles team to the ground about a week and a half ago. Or, you know, a year and a half ago, if you talk about to our good friend Jake English. Yes. Yes. I think Jake English should uh, should uh, apply for the yeah. Orioles general manager position, which surely will be open in the next six months or so. Yeah. Oh, all right. So, um, if you would like to contribute like Colleen does, and uh, various other folks do to the podcast, you can swing on by www.patreon.com slash turfpod and check it out. And it's probably going to crash your browser, and we've talked to Patreon about that, <laughs> and hopefully they're going to fix it at some point. But uh, things are getting updated on the, the first or second try, so um, don't be discouraged, and no, I don't have any way of fixing that. That's it. Yeah, their site just sucks. Yeah. This has been... Uh, the 100th episode spectacular of Artificial Turpors. We hope you've enjoyed it because I have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead 2010 and you have been Josh Housem at Joshua Housem and we will talk to you again next week. Mm-hmm.